You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today we have another great guest, uh, Phil Bergeli, the Ducks Unlimited Magazine shotgunning columnist, and we're going to be talking about shotgunning safety. Phil, welcome to the show once again. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. And now that you've been on the show several times, we can consider you a friend of the show. So now you're just a friend of the DU Podcast. Well, thank you. I, do, do I get anything for that? Um, a handshake when I see you. How about that? We're not allowed to do that anymore right now, but maybe ah, by then. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. An elbow bump. Yeah, today we're going to talk about something that's very important. It's something that you've written about probably hundreds and hundreds of times, and it's gun safety and practicing gun safety in the duck blind. Uh, one thing, it's it's something that we talk about a lot, probably more than others, as, as being members of the media, the uh, outdoor media. We talk about gun safety in, in several different ways and probably hear a lot more about it. But I think that, you know, the common waterfowl hunters, they probably don't discuss it well enough. And and you wrote this feature for Ducks Unlimited Magazine, and it was kind of a 10 tips on how to keep you and your hunting partner safe and happy in the blind, which is really the most important part about what we're doing is, is enjoying yourself and staying safe at the same time. But kind of bring to light um, why this is a topic that you probably have written about a hundred times and, and just kind of discuss the importance of bringing some of this information to the forefront. Sure. Well, waterfowling, you know, firearm safety is always important no matter what you're doing with a gun. But when you put a bunch of people together in close quarters and you add in slippery conditions and mud and, and dogs and 
everything else, it, it becomes really important when you're uh, waterfowl hunting to pay close attention to gun safety. There's a lot, a lot of things that can go wrong, and if they do, you know, the results can be bad just because everybody's so, so close together. Absolutely. And, and one of the first things that you bring up in, in your feature here is, is having a talk, basically having a discussion um, with those you're hunting with. Kind of explain how that process gets started and, and how people can, can really get started in saying, hey, hey let, let's talk about gun safety real quick before we get started. It's, it's kind of the host's responsibility, I think. Uh, and it's, it's important for everyone to be on the same page. If you're all close together, everybody needs to be doing the same thing and have the same expectations of what's going to happen if you're, if you're sitting down or standing up to shoot, if you're uh, who's calling the shots, when you're allowed to shoot, that type of thing. The, you know, the more that, that nobody is surprising anybody else, uh, the safer you're going to be. It's also a good time to talk about etiquette, to talk about whether you're taking turns, whether, you know, what you do with bands, whatever, um, you know, whatever house rules you need to, to set out there. I'm a, I'm a believer in the, the good fences and good neighbors rule. And you uh, make sure everybody knows what the expectations are going in and you'll uh, avoid trouble down the line. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been on several hunts where, you know, there's that confusing moment when there's ducks over the decoys or coming and a lot of times they're coming in fast and people are moving around a little bit and, and no one really knows when to shoot. And, and that really puts people um, in an unsafe situation. And it really is easy just to, hey, let's have this quick conversation and, and set out the guidelines for what's going on. Um, I think that, you know, all these tips are great, but I think this having the talk is is one of my favorite because it's something just simply communicating can take care of so many issues and avoid any potential disaster. It is. And I've heard the talk a million times and I don't mind hearing it again every time I go hunting. Uh, it makes me feel like our host or our guide or whoever is in charge uh, has everyone's safety in mind. And it, it's just you know, it's reassuring to know everybody's on the same page and you're there to have a good time and stay safe. Yeah. And number two is, um, you know, it's a basic uh, practice gun safety, um, which covers a million different variations. But, you know, one thing that you mentioned is, you know, there's no reason to add loaded guns into the confusion of settling, settling into uh, like a dark blind or something. Uh, can you kind of expand on that? And some of the things that you've done in the past where you've kind of said, hey, let's wait to load our guns or, or whatever. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Let's wait to load our guns. Uh, <laughs> you want to be ready at, at shooting time because sometimes that's, that's when they come. But, uh, there is no reason to be, you know, you, you don't like to hear that in the dark, hear the sound of somebody loading a gun. You wait till five minutes before shooting time. You can tell people, you know, go ahead, load up now. Uh, if, if you're the person in charge, you can, you can tell everyone to keep their guns unloaded until you say it's time to load up. And that's a good way to do it. Uh, you know, for me, I'd say five minutes before shooting time is when I like to do that. And then, you know, everybody's where they're supposed to be and they've got their guns in a safe place and, they can go ahead and, and load up and uh, and do that safely. Yeah, there's nothing more uh, worrisome than you know getting settled into a layout blind or something, and you hear that unmistakable sound of a chamber closing on a live round <laughs> 30 <laughs> minutes before shooting time. Like, what right. are you doing? It's still dark out. Now. Yeah. I've I've had that conversation many times. Um, number three here on the list is check your barrel. 
Um, I know some people, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, birds are buzzing. People are sometimes not paying attention to one, where their barrel is and two, where their barrel has been with whether it's stuck in the mud or, you know, got some debris, um, kind of expand on that a little bit and, and talk about, you know, ways to do that safely. Well, again, you, you do need to know where your muzzle's been and what it's up to and what's, uh, know its condition. Uh, I keep a, one of those breakdown cleaning rods in my bag so that if there is a, someone gets, someone gets their gun plugged up with mud, we can, we can clear it out. I remember I, there was a time when before I started doing that, I had to take a gun apart and just hold it underwater and let the current wash the mud out. And it did, uh, it did shoot enough times for me to have a good hunt, but <laughs> it really didn't want to. Um, but there, there is that. Uh, there's also, I remember a year or two ago, a young man sent me a picture of his, uh, his muzzle had just peeled back. Uh, it was one of those things where he'd had an off-sounding report, the wad didn't clear the barrel, and then the next shot bursts the barrel. So you need to listen for that, too. I know it's, it can be hard when all the guns are going off, but usually you can tell. Usually you, you don't feel any recoil, and it just it feels funny. Uh, and then actually, in his case, he'd killed the duck he was shooting at, and it still uh, you know, lodged in his muzzle and blew his gun up. So you have to be careful with that. You'll usually hear a difference in the sound, and that's when you want to make sure your gun's unloaded, and then check the muzzle and the only way to do that is look down the barrel so you got to make sure that the gun is unloaded first and then uh if you've got some you've got that that rod along you can go ahead and push the water or the mud chunk of mud or or snow or whatever it is out and clear your gun and be safe again yeah i've actually had that before where you sit up pull the trigger and you just get a little like plunk little noise and the shot just kind of rolls out the end of your barrel um and that's right. a dead giveaway that's a dead giveaway that you've got a wad stuck in there and i'm i know i did not have a uh any type of rod to clear it and so i was stuck without a gun but i on 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 that same note um oddly enough i have actually been standing right next to someone who did blow their barrel up and it was uh looking back on it i was in high school and looking back on it, it was a, uh, we're all lucky to still be around because it peeled back the barrel of an 870 and it looked like Elmer Fudd. Um, it literally looked like a flower. It was crazy. Yeah. It's like, like a banana peel. It just, uh, it, it, it will peel right open. And, um, so I've, I've never seen that. I've seen people launch choke tubes before. Uh, it's a different topic, but it's same related. Um, but uh, you do have to be be aware, especially again. We know duck. It's bad enough if you burst your barrel, but if you burst your barrel next to three or four other people, there's uh, you know there's that extra danger there too. Absolutely. Uh, the next one on the list is don't mix your shells. As someone who I bounce back and forth from a 20 gauge to 12 gauge pretty regularly, this is something for people to to really you know pay attention to. Yeah, uh, you know, 20 gauge shell will drop right down. To the chamber of a 12-gauge gun and then stick in the forcing cone. You can't see it if you look in the chamber uh, because it's three inches down the muzzle and or down the barrel. And then when you load another shell and you've got an obstruction, and it's not, that's not an obstruction out at the end of the, of the barrel. That's one right at the chamber, and, uh, and that, can be a real, that can be a disaster. Uh, for me, it's, it's 10 and 12-gauge. Uh, actually, I probably shouldn't say this, but a 12-gauge, if you put a 12-gauge shell in a 10-gauge gun by mistake, it will go off, and it will kill the crippled goose you're shooting at. But uh, 
but it's not a good idea. And that's, uh, you know, I, I try, I used to bring both. Now I won't, I'll bring, because I usually bring an extra gun. And, uh, but nowadays I shoot my 10 gauge, I don't bring another gun. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that, that's a totally different game and that's, you know, absolutely dangerous. Um, and, and what that is, is really just people paying attention to what they're doing. Um, you know, one of the, the best parts about waterfowling is the excitement and the, you know, the energy that goes into it, but it's something that, um, a simple 12, 20, 10 gauge mix up of shells is, is something that can be disastrous for sure. Yeah. And, and now it's, you know, it's not just you because you can grab somebody else's shells. It gets exciting when there's birds coming in or birds on, you know, cripples on the water or whatever it is that, that you need to load your gun and, and keep shooting. And, uh, you need to be careful and really be sure that you are putting the right shells into your gun. Uh, and I've also seen a, you know, three and a half inch shell in a three inch gun will not blow it up, but it will stick. I've seen that. Uh, you pretty much have to, if you don't have something to pound it out with, you pretty much have to take the gun apart and pry it out somehow. But, uh, it is better not to do that in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Stay away from that. Uh, next on the list is pay attention to your muzzle. And we kind of talked about this a little bit already, but you know, in the heat of the moment, in the excitement, um, people tend to swing a little further than they need to. Um, and just kind of talk about that. And this kind of leads into the next one as well. Know your zone of fire. So we can kind of knock out both of these, um, but kind of talk about the importance of that. Well, the, the example I gave in the, in the column, I took, uh, as a new hunter, a young man and, and, uh, I never even thought that somebody could get up out of a layout blind, turn around and shoot behind my head fast enough to shoot at a duck. But yeah, it can be done. And it's, uh, it's pretty alarming when it happens. Um, you know, and that's one where the, where the talk about zones of fire is, uh, the pre-hunt talk would have solved that problem. And I said, I didn't even, it never even occurred to me that someone <laughs> would do that, but yeah, <laughs> they, they can. Um, so you know, I have that talk and, uh, and besides, you know, endangering people by, by pointing your muzzle at them, what's, what's common in waterfowl hunting and, uh, is having someone set off a gun too close to your ears and that can cause permanent damage. Uh, I always, and ever since I first started hunting, I, I have worn hearing protection, um, after a really bad early experience and that helps a lot. Um, somebody, Somebody sets a gun off near my ear, I can usually just say, hey, don't do that again, rather than <clears throat> falling to the ground holding my ears. But uh, you have to be careful. Just, and you don't want to, and it's, it's certainly possible to, to shoot past people and to, uh, and, you know, to endanger somebody, but also it's, it's much more common to endanger somebody's hearing. And that's, that's not good either. Yeah. And we, and we kind of talked about it offline, but, um, but the different situations that you're hunting in, um, can, can really make a difference of, of knowing your zone of fire or maintaining that zone of fire. Um, I, I tend to hunt quite a bit in pits, which in, that's very typical in Arkansas and Mississippi. Um, a lot of metal pits and, and that bell ringing, um, is unbearable sometimes, you know, and, and some people you have to stop and really explain to people like, man, you need, you need to stay in your lane or, you know, right. it, it's going to be bad for everyone on each side of you. And uh, I know you hunt from layout lines a lot. So, you know, that's, you know, that example that you shared, you know, makes a lot of sense. And sometimes it is, it's just that communication level where you're saying, Hey, you know, don't shoot past this, don't shoot past this. Uh, but it's a good thing to remember. If, unless you're the person on the end of a lay of the line of layout blinds, you don't want to be shooting 
over the other blinds of the bird that's that's sliding off the decoys to one side or the other. That's 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 the, uh, the person on the end gets that shot. Nobody else. Otherwise, you just start ringing ears. Yeah, that's tough for some people, especially younger hunters, to not take the shot. You know, people are you know shooting's fun. Hey, you know that's what we're out there to do. Um, and people tend to get overly excited and, and swing too far. I'm not going to say I've never done it, but I'm very, very conscious of it, especially hunting in pits. Um, I know that I, I personally don't like my bell rung any, any more than the next guy. So, um, I'm very conscious of it and it's something for all hunters to discuss when they get in. And, and again, we're, we're going back to number one, let's just communicate. It's easy to avoid. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say too, it, I, a lot of people don't like to wear earplugs in the blind because they want to be able to hear themselves call and uh, they want to hear the jokes and everything else. I always do. Uh, if I think I'm going to shoot a lot, I wear foam earplugs. And um, if I think, if you know, if I want to hear a little better, I wear those uh, those Lee Sonic ear valves. I found a place that still sells those. Or mm-hmm. a lot of the electronic muffs and earplugs that you can get now will let you hear everything and still protect your hearing. And it's a uh, especially for for waterfowl hunting it's a really good investment uh, i've been really careful with my ears i say for 40 some years now and uh I, i'm not getting any less deaf but i noticed that my friends are way deafer than i am so <laughs> you know, I, I know i'm doing something right uh you know even younger friends like younger people i hunt with don't hear as well as i do so it really does work and it, it pays off and uh yeah, it, it may be you can't hear everything as well in the blind, but it's worth it to be able to hear other things when you need to be able to hear. Yeah, and, and that you made a good point that the you know the advancements in electronic hearing protection are tenfold what they were 15 years ago. I mean, we've got some now that um, I can list off five or six different various pairs that that I've used that tried, and you know, people are like, "Hey, it's not comfortable. I don't like wearing it with a hat. I don't." You know, there's always an excuse, um, right. but the reality is. Like you said, it's it it may may be worth being able to hear at the dinner table ten or fifteen years from now. And uh, oh yeah, and yeah, or a crowded room. Uh, that's that's the worst. Um, that's the only place I have trouble. But uh, absolutely, it's important. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. 
united by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. The next one on the list is one that is uh, near and dear to my heart, and I, I talk about this all the time, and it's control your dog. Um, dogs in the blind are fantastic. I hunt with my dog. I've always hunted with a dog since I was like 14. Um, but there are some limitations that come with that, and just kind of explain how dogs can add to the element of, um, of not being safe in the blind. Well, there, there's two ways. It begins with the dogs have to be under control. Uh, they have to be either steady or they have to be have a collar or they have to be tied up or maybe all three um, because dogs, every year you see those, uh, those headlines, dog shoots hunter. And uh, somebody put their gun down on the ground and, or on the boat or whatever and the dog is, you know, dog doesn't know any, doesn't know what a gun is, and the dog is walking around, and they can somehow, you know, they they step on the gun, maybe take off the safety and pull the trigger, and somebody gets shot. <laughs> and uh, I say it's about about once a year, sometimes twice. You'll see that headline, uh, and uh, so there's that's part of it. Um, so again, it's it's up to the owner, it's responsibility of the owner to keep the dog under control or or put it up uh, for everyone's safety. And the other thing, um, when you're talking about pip lines earlier, and maybe you know, maybe you've seen this. I've not. Uh, but if you're in a pit and you're down there at ground level, and a dog is not steady, it can be in front of the guns before you know it, and dogs can get shot that way. That's something we want to avoid, obviously. But but there again, it's it's a question. It's up to the owner to keep the dog steady, or keep the dog under control, or take the dog back to the truck. Yeah. I've, I've seen that many times and, and it's something that I, I kind of harp on even some of the guys that I hunt with, you know, the, the issue with the pit blinds, especially in Arkansas, you're hunting in a levee. You can shoot both sides of that blind and with a dog outside of the pit, that dog can jump and it's so fast. They can, they can get out in front of the, all the four or five guys coming up to shoot pretty oh, yeah. quick. And, and that's, it's a scary situation. And, you know, we've, we have different ways to get around that. We use, you know, little layout blinds for the dog. Some of them are staked down some of them. And there, there are times when I just don't hunt my dog because mm -hmm. I know, um, she's getting older and she, she likes to do her own thing now. She's, uh, she's 10 years old and she's going to uh -huh. do it whether I say it or not. <laughs> uh -huh. And so a lot of times it, that ends up, she ends up, uh, staying at the, in the house, you know, and, and that's something uh -huh. that hunters need to be very mindful of. Uh, one kind of personal example is I snow goose hunt a lot in the spring and the guys that I hunt with, you know, those eight or 10 of them, they do not hunt with dogs. And, and I, and I'm a big, I want to hunt with a dog kind of guy, you know, and, they're just like, no, not doing it. And it took me a couple years and even someone that was hunting with them to say, hey, we want to bring my dog f for me to see why they don't, especially in a snow goose field. The chaos, uh, dogs mm -hmm. running around, cripples everywhere, 10, 8, 10, 12 guys shooting. Um, it can it can be very dangerous. So that's, that's definitely something for duck hunters to keep in mind. Um, just to, you know, maybe that day or that certain situation is not, it's not worth having the dog 
you know, in the blind just because it's not safe for anyone, let alone shooting the dog. But like you said, you know, every year you always hear a story. Um, somebody's dog stepped on a trigger and, uh, and it's a, it's a bad deal. Um, I think we kind of touched on the next one. It's, you know, hold your fire when dogs or hunters are out in the decoys. But, um, this is, this is a good topic because people get very anxious to shoot a cripple. And, uh, you know, can you kind of talk about some of the different, different ways to, especially even communicate this to people? For sure. If, um, well, my, my rule is pretty simple is I, I, the dogs, if there's a dog, I let the dog's owner shoot the cripples or I ask before I shoot mm-hmm. uh, because what you don't want is, uh, is people up and shooting, you know, when, when dogs are going up breaking and, <clears throat> and going out into the decoys, uh, shooting in front of a dog's nose, try to shoot a duck. It seems like a good idea at the time maybe, but it's not. And uh, so I say that's, that's up to the dog owner. Um, and the other thing where, you know, to go back to, to hearing, uh, if you are the dog's owner, and, and sometimes you'll you'll go out and you know, take your gun out with the dog, just if you've got a bunch of birds down or whatever, and you want to make sure you get them all picked up quickly. Uh, if you shoot right over that dog's head while you're out in the water, you know you'll deafen the dog. You'll shorten its useful life too. Uh, if you do that a lot of times, and, and uh, you know, a dog with permanent hearing damage can't can't always hunt. Uh, they can't hear you, and uh, that's something to be concerned about too. Besides not shooting a dog, you don't want to shoot over a dog's head. Um, and that you know, same goes for, it should go without saying that the same thing applies with people, but I've seen it where, I remember one time, again, it was a pit blind. Uh, the guy was out front, I can't remember if he was, if he'd been retrieving ducks or if he was rearranging decoys or whatever, but he was standing right in front of the blind and a bunch of birds came in and I was a shot caller and I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to call that shot, but somebody stood up and shot right past this guy's head, you know, right, right in his ear. Uh, it was really bad. And this was, you know, this was on a, a media hunt. This was somebody, this is a writer who, a gun writer who really should have known better. So you can't assume, you know, to go even back to our first, first point, you can't assume that everybody knows the safety rules, uh, you know, no matter how much hunting they've done. So you have to talk, but that's, uh, that's probably the closest I've seen in, in a blind, but, uh, yeah, when people are out in the decoys, dogs or people on the decoys, you don't shoot. Yeah, I had a we had an, uh, a scenario very similar to that, except the uh, the dog and the you know it was actually with a guide. It was also on a media hunt, and uh, this was just last year. And the the guide and the dog were actually retrieving birds, and you know there were a couple of us standing in the blind, and we were talking and chit chatting, and somebody at the far end of the blind saw this dog get up and fly away from the dog or saw this duck get up uh-huh. and fly away from the dog. And with the guide and the dog in the decoys, this guy takes a shot. Uh-huh. And yeah. my immediate reaction was to duck because I thought this guy was going to start shooting back. He was so <laughs> mad. Um, but, you know, I didn't I didn't blame him for that anger either. Everyone's kind of like, what are you doing? So, uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, people just don't sometimes just don't don't think and, and don't yeah. think about the safety of everyone around them. You don't want to lose a bird, but it's a lot better to lose a bird than to shoot somebody or shoot a dog. Absolutely. Now, the next one is mind the shot caller. We've kind of touched on this several times. And uh, again, it's a lot of it is communication. A lot of it is just just being safe, knowing um, who and where and what everybody's going to be doing at the time of the the moment that we all kind of wait for um, the, the 
the chance to to take a shot at a bird, but but kind of expand on on some of the safety mechanisms involved in minding the shot collar. Well, again, it's, it's everybody's together. You want everybody doing the same thing at the same time is what it, what it amounts to. If people are popping up and shooting unexpected, it, you know, it can be dangerous. Uh, and it's also just, you know, it's, it's not, uh, not polite either. Um, so I'll always ask. And it's funny. Sometimes you'll ask, you know, it, uh, talk about in layout blinds, you know, I've, I've had ducks hanging off my feet, you know, 10 yards from the blind, and I haven't done it. And, I, and finally I say, hey, hey, can I shoot this duck over here? And, you know, the shot caller hasn't seen it yet. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, yeah, uh, they see that. And, and, and uh, so, yeah, I just, I just make it a practice to ask. If I want to take a shot over the top, I'll ask somebody. That's, that's when, uh, you know, if you have a couple people have that idea at the same time and one wants to sit down and one wants to stand up, it can be dangerous that way. So I'll just ask, you know, let me shoot this duck. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, that's, I'll, I, yeah. That uh, goes back to just communicating, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about that and, you know, I had a scenario very similar, it's same hunt last year. And it was probably one of the, I'm not going to mention who or, or where, but you know, probably one of the best mallard hunts I'd ever been on. And, uh, we had probably 75 or 80 mallards just cupped up coming in and, and the guys who were calling were, were kind of talking the process through like all right hey let these two over here land we're gonna you know we've got these eight coming in from the right this big wads coming in on the top and one of the guys in the blind just jumps up and starts shooting and not only is that unsafe but like you said it's it's not polite it ruins them i mean like i said it was the picturesque you know big wad of mallards coming in it was unbelievable and someone just jumped up and made a knucklehead decision and and uh i know he he caught hell for it from all of us but uh you know it's something that i i would think that he would he would definitely never do again yeah yeah you'd hope not it's uh it's just bad manners you know especially you know, yes we've all been doing this for a while uh, there's there's no reason to uh shooting a duck isn't isn't worth wrecking a hunt or you know getting people angry at each other and uh we're supposed to be there to have fun and usually it's more fun if, if everybody's uh, acting like they're part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. And and that really leads to uh, the last example that you, you brought up is, is to speak up. And one, speak up about what's going on, but also speak up if you see somebody doing something unsafe. Um, it, it, it kind of just expand on that and, and how you, and if you've had any examples where you've had to say, hey, man, you know, you got to chill out. This is not it's not worth it. Yeah, it's happened to me more upland hunting than it has waterfowl hunting. Uh, and you don't like to do it because some people take it fine and some people don't. Um, and, uh, you know, I went, uh, and this is, again, this is a bird hunting example, but I went, uh, was grouse hunting with a guy who'd been in the Marines for quite a while. And so he wanted to carry his gun the way they trained them to with the, you know, across the front of his chest with the muzzle pointing down. And the first time he swept that past a dog, I had to say, hey, can't carry a gun like that anymore. You're going to be able to shoot a dog. And he, he took it really well. You know, uh, another time I had somebody shoot over my head in the field. And I, it was one of, it was a big group and we didn't know each other very well. And actually, I liked this guy. And the reason I said something to him was because I did like him. If I didn't like him, I just would have avoided him for the rest of the hunt. Yeah. But I told him, you know, that was a little bit, that shot was kind of borderline towards me. You know, and, and poor guy was just crushed. You know, uh, 
he felt terrible about it. He didn't want, he didn't, he's, he, then he avoided me for the rest of the hunt. I felt bad, but <laughs> you know, what can you do? Um, I try to be tactful and I didn't, you know, I don't yell at people or anything, but, uh, it's not fun, but you kind of have to do it to keep everybody safe sometimes. Yeah. And that's not, it's not a bad idea to say something. I know just in that example that I gave where, um, a certain individual had shot early, he had done several other things that were questionable and, and I basically just said, I'm not hunting with him. Um, and the last day of that hunt, you know, they, there were six or seven people kind of piled into the blind. And I just said, man, I'm, I'm going to sit out here and just take photos because things had been said to him. He was unaware. Maybe I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but oh. sometimes you just have to say something and, and, and maybe take action. And, and that's what I did. I just kind of stepped out of the blind. I was like, I'll just sit out here and shoot photos this oh. morning because I don't want to, you know, it's not worth one being injured two, you know, having to deal with it or, you know, having to say something over and over and over again until you get into an altercation where, you know, it's again, we're, we're shooting ducks. It's supposed to be fun. Um, it's not, um, it's not some kind of co- competition or anything. And, and, but some people can get their feelings hurt, but I think that's a good, like you said, uh, you know, in your scenario that you gave, you know, you said something to the guy, um, he didn't seem to be mad, but he avoided you. Hey, problem solved one way or the other. Right. Right. Well, Phil, this has been a great conversation and I hope that people take away from this um, something more than just, hey, this is, you know, we're out here shooting ducks and doing this and, and take away the fact that maybe this season uh, opening day or or whenever you get a chance, you sit down with your hunting partners and say, hey, you know, let's talk about this. Let's make sure that everything is safe. And um, do you have any anything else that you want to add that, you know, that people should be thinking about? You know, Specifically, you know, we, we worry about guns a lot, and it's good. You know, the more we talk about it, the safer it gets. But there's a lot of other things in waterfowl hunting that can be dangerous, too, when you start dealing with cold water and cold conditions and that type of thing. That's uh, that's what actually scares me more than guns. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to be careful with that, too. Especially, I, you know, I hunt alone a lot. I hunt late season a lot. And that's a lot of times that's more my safety concern, too. Uh, so it's it's not just the guns we have to be careful about. In fact, the only person I know who who died duck hunting died of hypothermia so and it was just his, his boat got away from him and he kept going out a little farther to try to grab the the line and the water got over his waders and uh and he died you know, he was hunting by himself so there's uh you know we talk a lot about the gun safety and we should but there's other things to you know you have other ways you have to be safe too when you hunt ducks and geese absolutely we could probably do 10 different episodes on the the various um, conditions and, and safety precautions that people should take, especially when you get into boating. Um, you know, I hunt flooded timber a lot. There's, there's issues there, you know, there's, there, there's just so many different variables and, that can be dangerous in waterfowling that people just have to make sure they, they keep their head, head in the right place and, and pay attention to these, these safety right. precautions that we talk about. Yeah. But the gun safety, that's universal across any kind of waterfowl hunting, because it's always going to involve shotguns so uh you know everything that we talked about today applies to everybody's hunt yeah that's great phil well i appreciate it thanks for joining me today now that you're a friend of the du podcast we'll definitely have you (laughs) back on soon very good thanks a lot i'd like to thank my guest phil bergeli for joining me today to talk um some just some waterfowling safety tips overall and gun handling tips discussions and, and being able to talk about safety with the people that you hunt with is a it's just an important topic that we always need to remember i'd like to thank clay baird the producer of the podcast for getting these out to you guys and i'd like to thank you the listener for listening and supporting wetlands conservation 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.